We have family here tonight, Pastor Janelle Morocco and uh, Dr. Morocco's daughter, but as I said this morning, anointed in her own right, and uh, it's her first time to Alaska, so put your best hand clap together to welcome her. Yeah! I think I like Sunday night. This is awesome. Wow. Are you ready to get into the Word of God tonight? I enjoyed both services this morning, but Sunday night is like unchained. <laughs> it's like uncensored Pastor Daniel or something. <laughs> With ignorance and what was the other word? <laughs> Knucklehead, watch out. Uncensored, there we go. <laughs> Man, it is fun and the Holy Ghost is in this place. Oh, I love it. I love it. Open your Bible with me to Romans chapter 10. It's a passage of scripture we all know and love so well. Romans chapter 10. Starting to read in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning the faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all. Who? All. all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let's pray. Holy Spirit of God, I thank you for your presence even now in this place. I thank you for your people that have come with a hungry heart. Oh, God, that they have left behind the game and they have sought you. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. I pray for an anointing to be upon me that I will speak forth your word in power and in might. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I remember the first time I went witnessing. Uh, we were with Pastor Brian and Pastor Kelly, and we had done an extension out in Lahaina, which is about 35 minutes away from our main cathedral in Maui. And uh, we had just taken back a whole bunch of kids, and man, the Spirit of God was in the place, and I just got so excited. And um, one thing you don't know about me was I was, and sometimes still am, a shy girl. I used to be one of those girls that hid behind the mama's skirt every time. I, I'll never forget the time when uh, an usher scared me or something, and I ran to my mama's skirt, and I looked up into her face, and it was not the mama. <laughs> Scarred me for life. I think I was three years old, and I still remember it. But I was one of those really, really shy girls. And, but I felt the presence of God, and I wanted to tell someone about Jesus. So I'm sitting there in the church van, and Pastor Kelly is driving. And I saw this dude walking by on the side of the road. So I rolled down my window. I stuck my head out the window and said, Jesus! 
mind hit as quick as possible. <laughs> How many of you have ever done something like that? <laughs> <laughs> we all have our stories on witnessing. In fact, just the other day, it was the most hilarious thing. I was walking to the supermarket, and these two guys were standing on the side of the road, and I think they were using it as like a, a come on kind of thing. Hey, Jesus loves you. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, uh, you too. He, he loves you too. <laughs> Don't do it like that, okay? <laughs> Please, don't do it like that. <laughs> We've all had ways of witnessing that have fallen apart. We've all tried and, and stirred in our heart to do something for God. That is what this passage of Scripture is talking about. We have the greatest news on the planet. We don't have to go to hell. We get to have a personal relationship with the God who created us, the God who gave us purpose, the one who loves us beyond anyone else could ever love us. That is who we serve. We have the best news. I know a lot of us are doing keto diet because Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen are so successful that it is good news to them to have bacon. <laughs> It is good news for that heavy whipping cream. <laughs> Praise Jesus. <laughs> I'm losing it. Okay. <laughs> but we have better news than that. We have Jesus Christ who washed away all of our sins, who died on the cross for us. Why then are we so afraid to tell someone about the greatest news on the planet. You see, I was studying the Word of God, and I noticed something very interesting when I was studying the disciples and, and Jesus, and as he was helping them and training them and teaching. It was a progression of faith. We see even the progression of faith today in our everyday lives and throughout the church. You had a lot of people who liked Jesus. They followed him wherever he went, especially when they gave him food. When he provided food for the thousands upon thousands of people, they, they really liked Jesus. When they healed the, the blind person or the lame person or the demon possessed, oh, they liked Jesus. We have those in our day. They like Jesus. You see it on Facebook. Oh, oh, that was a scripture. Oh, they liked it. Oh, I wonder if they're saved. Oh, maybe they know Jesus. They like him but they leave it there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know about Jesus. He was a good man. Oh, yeah, he's pretty cool. Like. It doesn't mean that you'll give towards it or serve it. <laughs> you just press a little button. Oh, that was cool. I like that. It's a Facebook society that even happened back then. Then we had the next progression of faith, the followers. The followers who stayed with Jesus, even at night, even when he was preaching, and they were too hungry. They didn't care about food. They didn't care that they would be traveling home in the dark. They were going to stay and listen to Jesus. They followed him. We have a lot of those even today who will follow Jesus. But when push comes to shove and hard times come, they turn away from him. 
When, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Levites came against Jesus, they said, oh, wait, wait, oh, okay, well, we won't follow after him. When they crucified the Savior, who were those that were saying crucify him? The followers. Yikes. See, you can like Jesus. You can even come to church here and there and say, oh, yeah, 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 oh, look, oh, oh, there's... There's some revival meetings over here. Or you know what? I think I like this pastor over here better. And, and you follow the spirit of God. Oh, as it leads, let's just go. You know what I'm talking about? You don't ever get planted. You don't ever get trained. You don't ever move to the next level of faith because you're too busy following after people and following after the spirit or following after something better. Somebody who will meet your needs. Oh, that will feed you. Oh, that will provide for you. That will hug you. I don't know. We hug people in Maui. So if I come and hug you, don't get offended. I like hugging. Followers. We have likers, we have followers. But then we had a next progression of faith, which is the disciples. Now, the disciples liked Jesus, which was a good thing. They followed Jesus, but then they learned of him. They walked with him wherever he went. They ate and drank with him. They went and prayed with him. They walked with him through the hard times, through the rejection, through the hunger, through the storms. You don't see three or five or 10,000 people in the boat with Jesus on the storm. No, we're not going there. Have fun, Jesus. Bye-bye. You don't see even 5,000 people going to the mountaintop with him. No. Disciples. Those are the ones that stayed with him for three and a half years and learned and grew and wanted to become just like Jesus. But you know, as I was looking through the scriptures, I saw another level or a progression of faith. It was something called the ambassador. The ambassador is an official representative of a nation or power. The spirit of the Holy Ghost came and fell upon God's ambassadors. Jesus actually told his disciples to go ye therefore and preach the gospel. In Matthew 28, 19, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you. See, Jesus took his disciples. Now, Jesus did not take his likers. Jesus did not take his followers. Jesus only spoke it to his disciples. And he says, if you are my disciple, then you will go and tell people about me. You will go and be my ambassadors to the nations. You will be my light shining in the midst of the darkness. You will be my representative of heaven on earth. Oh, something was different. Something changed. And when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, whoa, everything took off. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Starting to read in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us, but because we are convinced 
that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we were once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them he has committed to he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal to us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God see Jesus Christ did everything he did everything but he left the good news with us he has called each and every one of us to be his ambassadors now I don't know about you but me being a human, just like you, whenever I heard that word, I said, whoa, 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 God, but, but, you know, I'm afraid, but there's circumstances, but I don't know if you can use me. And God reminded me of Queen Esther, that in the midst of the most horrible time where she was going to die and all of her people were going to die, God placed her in such a time as this. He called her to be his voice. To, for their entire nation to save the people. She was God's ambassador. What about the Apostle Paul? Do you realize that the Apostle Paul <laughs> wrote most of the New Testament when he was in prison? That even chains, even circumstances of his life did not stop him from being an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Being beat up, killed, abused, <laughs> defamed, did not stop him. We have some great leaders ahead of us who have stood in the gap and said, I was ambassador, you can too. You see, God has called you and I ambassadors of his kingdom. His kingdom come, his will be done. I believe that God has made us for this very time. That you're not a mistake. You know, and every time I witness to someone, it's very interesting because they have a view of themselves as just being on the planet. No use. They just do whatever they want to. No one cares. Yeah, they have family who loves them sometimes, but uh, I'm just here. And when I tell them about how much God loves them and God created them for a purpose... It's like something shifts in their mind. You mean I wasn't a mistake? You mean God knows me? God knows you. God sees you. When I was a little girl, I loved Anne of Green Gables. I love <laughs> the Middle Ages because I thought the dresses were really cool until you try one on and you're like, never again. <laughs> Not going there. <clears throat> And I thought, God, why couldn't I have been born in the Middle Ages and ride horses and do all the fun stuff? Why was I born now? Have you ever thought about being born in Moses' time to be able to see the Red Sea open up and walk out on dry land? 
Oh, that would have been so cool. To see manna falling from heaven. What about in Jesus' time? I tell you, I've always thought of different ways. Oh, God, why didn't I get born then? Why didn't you put me in there? Why didn't you do that? But can you imagine walking through the desert with millions of people with no porta potties? Can you imagine the shoes you're wearing now is the same shoes that you'll be wearing for 40 years? Come on, women, help me. Help me, women. Oh. What about in Jesus' time? The Romans all destroying you and beating you up and crucifying you? Mm, no, thank you. We are blessed. We are blessed. We get to watch football on TV. We are blessed. We get a toilet. We get McDonald's. We have cell phones. Oh my goodness, this is like the best time on planet Earth to live. All the comforts we could ever imagine. But why were you born? I believe that you were born for right now. That God looked throughout all of history and he saw all of history and he said, oh, oh. That's where I'm going to birth Karen Bracken. Oh, 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 that's where I'm going to birth Daniel Bracken. Oh, oh, I got, I got plans for them. That's where I'm going to birth Glennie, right there. See, God chose you to be born now. For this time. For this place. For this purpose. God has called you to be his someone Jesus spoke to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The purpose of our life is to be his witnesses. But look at how Jesus phrases it. He says, first to Jerusalem. I believe that's our family. When you think about how God's purpose is, that God puts you in time and space into your family. You say, Pastor, my family is messed up. There's no way that God would have put me here. No, no, no. Because God has a purpose. You know, if I go to your family and I start trying to tell them about Jesus, I can guarantee that they'll say, who is this redheaded woman from Maui? Get her out of my house. Or they'll be like, oh, yes, yes, that's sweet. Never invite her over again. <laughs> but you who know them, you who have went through the junk with them, have been transformed by God. You are his witnesses to your family. In fact, Pastor Bracken could go and try to talk story with them. But it's you that they look at. It's your life that they look at. See, God has placed you in heaven, in time, and in space. And he says, I'm going to put them there because I'm going to save them. And they can be a witness to their family. Some of you have gone through horrible things. And those things I know that the Lord has not caused. It's just man and evil. But God can use you in your family. He has that purpose. What about in your job? You say, well, pastor, I hate my boss. I hate my job, and it's cold outside. 
What if God placed you in your job to be a witness? To tell your friends about Jesus, your coworkers about Jesus, your boss about Jesus? You know, I was reading a book on revival, and it was so interesting to me. One man, during his lunch break, started to pray, and he said, you know what, I'm going to have a prayer meeting. And so he told his coworkers and those that were Christian and said, okay, we're going to have a prayer meeting at lunchtime. And they began to pray at lunchtime. Soon, the power of God showed up, and as they prayed, every single day at lunchtime, more and more people came. And in fact, the entire workplace got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and the boss changed, and everything turned around. In fact, it was the, the beginning point of a mighty revival in that whole city. What if God has called you in your workplace? What about your neighbor and your neighborhood? What about that person next door to you that God has placed there? I know they drive you crazy and they stink or they swear all night long. I've mm -hmm, been there. But what if God placed you right next to them so you can cast those demons out? You can pray for them and a mighty revival will spread across your whole neighborhood. Maybe that person will host a life group and change that entire place. I have a friend. Uh, she's been with me for a long time, even from Lahaina, been a part of our church. And they were in this uh, apartment complex, and it was not a good co apartment complex. And they were raising their kids, and she's like, Pastor, I got to get out of this place. They're smoking pakalolo or pot, and, and there's ice heads down the road. And, oh, man, at night I can't hardly sleep because there's all this fighting and yelling. Oh, pray with me that God will deliver me from this place. Do you know a couple months later what happened? Her next-door neighbor and her husband got in a huge fight, and the next-door neighbor started running out of the house. And she opened up the door and said, come, come in here. Let me talk story with you. That girl got saved. And then her husband got saved. Now they're an active part of the church, and their lives are being transformed. And they are being used of God to transform more lives. And guess what God did? God moved that girl out of there into a beautiful brand-new house. See, God had a purpose for her to be in that apartment complex. Maybe God has a purpose for you in where you're living. And he's not done with your neighborhood. And he's looking for someone that he trusts to put in the middle of there. You see, God has a purpose for your life. He has called you for this time. He has called you for this place. He has called you to reach out to your Jerusalem, your family, Judea, I believe, is the city. Samaria is your enemies into the uttermost parts of the world. God is looking for someone. Here, my Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord. Use me. I love that part in Shrek where the donkey jumps up and down, up and down. Pick me. Pick me. I'm not going to jump, but pick me. <laughs> Pastor Daniel can jump. Pick me! <laughs> that should be our heart's cry. You see, God has placed you in this time, in this place. He has not made a mistake. He has seen you. He knows you. In fact, he gave you giftings and talents and abilities for right now, for this house. You know, this amazing church is awesome. I love it. In fact, it's a great church. <laughs> It's a great building, 
but it's too small. It's way too small. I see what God is going to do in Wasilla. I see it. And I know it's kind of like a holding back, a holding back. And I don't believe it's because of the building. There could be seven services on Sunday. Doctor likes the S's altogether, seven services on Sunday. It could happen. It could happen. We could have a mighty revival in Wasilla. What is stopping the harvest from coming? Could it be God is waiting on you? Could it be that God's waiting for you to rise up and say, I'm going to join the children's ministry. I'm going to join the youth ministry. I'm going to open my home for a life group. Oh, I'm going to greet people. I'm going to go visiting. I'm going to call people on their birthday. God is waiting. I believe it with all of my heart that God puts things together and strategizes effectiveness. So when the harvest comes, we have a place for it. Otherwise, we will lose the harvest. But he's waiting for you. He is calling you. He is looking for someone. It is our job. Our job is not to work nine to five. Our job is to be his witness. Our job is to persuade men. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 11. Pastor Josh, my brother, is awesome. I love him. He's so much fun. When we were growing up... My brother loved to cook, even when we were a little kid, and he was a little kid, and my parents would go out, and he'd be like, okay, cook your brother some food. So I would go to make him some, you know, macaroni and cheese and hot dogs or something, something easy. And he goes, no, 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 I'm going to make my own. Okay, let me see what you're going to make. And so he'd, like, throw mustard and ketchup and old green beans and leftover stuff, and he'd, like, throw it all together, and I'd be like, what? That is disgusting. I'm not touching that. But you know what he would do? He would grab his fork and be like, mmm, this is so good. Mmm, don't you want one, Janelle? Oh, no, no, you don't want any. Mmm. And he would do it for like 20 minutes. He wouldn't let up until finally, guess what I did? I tried it, and it was horrible. It was horrible. Now he's an excellent cook, so you can eat anything he makes now. But he had a gift to persuade people. He wouldn't let up. Mmm. Oh, my Jesus is so good. Mmm. Oh, you know what? Let me tell you what he did for me today. Oh, my God is so awesome. It's our job to persuade people. Toward the kingdom. You have joy. You have peace. Let a a little bit of it out in your face. Smile at me. Come on. Hi. We got to persuade people. We have so much good that God has done in us. We got to let it out. Let it out. We are God's representative. We are his light sitting on a hill. Oh, shining before all men that they may see God, that they may see his glory. I love this scripture. Isaiah 60 verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine for your light. Whose light? 
Your light, your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. See, God is waiting for his people to arise. Say, Lord, pick me. Lord, shine your light through me. Lord, use me. Don't sit in your seat and say, oh, Pastor Bracken will do it. Oh, Minister David will do it. Oh, they're doing a great job. Good job. No, God has called you. God has anointed you. He has put his power and his Holy Spirit upon you, not just to hide under a bushel and shine a little bright. No, he has called you to go up on top of the hill like it is in Wasilla. Oh, like our new church building up on the hill and to shine brightly, to shine in your family, to shine in your workplace. God has called you. I'll never forget I was flying from Kauai and preaching there, and I was sitting next to a young, uh, an older couple named Mike and Margo. And so I started talking to them about Jesus. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard about Jesus. My sister's a Christian. I was like, oh, okay. So you've heard all this before? No. No, I haven't. And it grieved me so much. Because here this woman got saved, delivered, set free. And her brother didn't know anything about Jesus. And instead of me sitting there next to him and bringing him to salvation, I had to start planting the seed from scratch. Jesus Christ, God made flesh, dwelt among us and saved us. He saved you. He cares about you. (laughs) It grieved me. Because out of all the people on earth, his sister should have driven him nuts with the gospel. Your coworkers should be driven nuts with the gospel. Whenever they're having a hard time, they should be coming to you for prayer. Not calling up and asking for, a, what is those networks, psychic network. You have God's power. You have God's authority. You have his anointing. God is looking for someone. There is once an older lady Her name was Latonia Gunn, and she had gone and visited uh, a church with her friend. She went and visited her friend and went to church with her, and she saw there a young girl, and she said, there's something about that girl. Well, that girl had a horrible childhood. Her father, her mother died when she was five years old, and her father remarried, and her stepmother hated her. In fact, it got so bad that she had to leave the home at about eight years of age and live with the next-door neighbors and be their nanny so that she could survive. Her father just totally disowned her. But it was living with that next-door neighbor that God had a plan and a purpose. You see, that next-door neighbors were Christians. And she started going to church with them, and she got saved. And she learned the Word of God and had a hunger to go and touch the world and do missions but she had no money. She couldn't call her dad up for money or her stepmom. They had disowned her years ago. She had no physical money. And so she prayed, Lord, I want to go to college. Lord, I want to go to college. This young girl had a friend, and the friend told her, why don't you just call the school? 
and ask them for an application and believe God for the $50 for the application fee to go to, to missionary school. And so when Esther called, <laughs> she called on the phone and they said, Esther, oh, Esther, someone has paid for your first year of college. She didn't know who in the world it was. They wouldn't let her know who it was. Year after year, she would go to the office and they would say, your next year of college has already been paid. It wasn't until graduation night that she met the woman who paid for her every year of college. Her name was Latona Gunn. Now, you may think that Latona Gunn was some wealthy woman who had all this money and could give it to some student. No. Latona Gunn was a poor servant in a house, a housekeeper. She had no family. She had nothing. But for years upon years, she ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches so she could save every single dime to send Esther to school. Out of her poverty, she gave. Out of her need, she gave. Little did she know what Esther was going to do. You see, Esther had a call for missions, and she married a man. His name was Dan. And Dan and Esther went to India, and they started a church called Calcutta Mercy Missions. They started the church, and it began to spread and touch all of Calcutta. Uh, after about 10 years there, they had to give the work over to a Canadian couple uh, because the government kicked out all the Americans. And that Canadian couple took it, and today they feed over 90,000 people every day. They have hundreds upon hundreds of churches in India. And that's the Buntains. Well, Dan and Esther left the Philippines, I mean, left India, and they went to the Philippines. And they took over a struggling church where the pastors had been um, kicked out of the church by some mafia people. And their lives were threatened. In fact, one time, um, Esther's life was barely spared because she was holding her child. And so they decided not to kill her. But they beat her and her uh, friend up and beat up Dan, almost killed him many times, and yet they stayed. That church today has over 50,000 members in the Philippines. Well, Dan and Esther had five kids, and one of their kids is Dr. James Morocco, who in 1980 took over a small church on the island of Maui. And in 1980... They went from 80-member church to over 700 in one year's time. And from that moment, God increased and multiplied. We went from one church to three churches on Molokai and Lanai. And then God's vision became greater and greater. And soon, there was a KC here in Alaska. And now, we are over 152 extensions all over the world. Isn't God good? But there would never have been a Dr. James Morocco if there hadn't been an Esther. And there would never have been an Esther who was able to go into the harvest field had it not been for a woman, Latona Gunn, who sacrificed and who gave. You see, when we all get to heaven, we're not going to be under Dr. Morocco's uh, hand. We're going to be under Latona's gun's hand. 
because she sowed the seed. She gave, she served, she loved, and God multiplied that seed to touch the world. You see, you may think you're insignificant, that what you can do is only small, but what you do matters for the kingdom of heaven. What you do for generations upon generations, souls could be saved because of you. God is looking for someone. He's not looking for the best. He's not looking for the well-educated or the ones with the most abilities or the most giftings. He is looking for you. He is waiting for you. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm done. I want you to lift your hands all across this place. This... Uh, hallelujah (laughs) this is your moment God is calling to you someone you be that one that God has called you do what God has called you to do you touch your family you touch your co-workers you touch your neighborhood you touch all of Wasilla you do something for God If you say, Pastor, that's me, I want you to just lift your hands all across this place. Oh, hallelujah. The presence of the Lord is here right now. Come on, just begin to pray right now with your spirit. Holy Spirit of God, come right now. Every discouragement, every fear, every hindrance that is keeping them from walking in you, Lord, break it off now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, for a release of your power. Oh, a release of your power right now upon your people. Oh, Lord God, fill them to overflowing in your presence. Lord, may they be that light shining in the midst of the darkness. May nothing hinder their light. I pray even now that you begin to speak to them specifically what to do, how to do it, what places to stand, how to witness the strategies of mentoring. Oh, God, come and touch them now. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. With every head bowed, every eye closed all across this place, there may be some of you here today who say, Pastor, I know God has a purpose for my life, but I've been doing my own thing. I've been walking away from God. But tonight, tonight I want to come back to him. If that's you, I want you just to lift your hand up right now and I'm going to pray for you. Amen. I see that hand. Amen. I see that hand. Hallelujah. I see that hand. Everyone, just lift your hands up all across this place. Would you say this prayer after me? Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean tonight. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I choose tonight to live for you, to be your person in Wasilla. Use me, oh God. Pick me, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big clap offering.